Today I want to continue a series um, called You're Not Far. And the idea of this series really is how do we make sure that we don't fall into Groundhog Day this fall? That in March, about six months ago, many of us thought we were embarking on what would be perhaps a few weeks or maybe six weeks journey, and now we're six months into that journey. And it doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon. In fact, if anything, when we look at this fall, it looks like it's going to get even crazier. That there's so much, um, so much up in the air. And that one of the heartbeats of this series is that when everything feels like it's up in the air, it really matters what's underneath your feet. And our desire from this series and through some of the ones that we're going to be uh, engaging with this fall is to really kind of help us get grounded and to both in a very profound um, way and a very practical way, make it through this fall without falling into Groundhog Day. Um, I know for many of us, we look at this fall and we wonder about our jobs. We wonder about our kids and virtual schooling and what is that doing to them with wearing a mask and, and having trouble making friends on the playground when they have to be uh, physically distant from so many other kids. And there's so much uncertainty of finances and personal health and just, you know, the, the stress of every day waking up and trying to navigate this weird new normal that we find ourselves in. Every day seems to have some new storyline of something else that might happen where it's like, oh, a scientist plan on releasing 200 million genetically modified mosquitoes. And I'm like, oh, that's going to go great this year. Or, you know, asteroid flying by planet Earth before Election Day. I'm like, yep, sounds about right. I mean, it's just like everything I read is just insanity. And so today what I want to do is jump into a very practical um, kind of um, tool to help you. It's a different paradigm, and out of that paradigm flows some, some ways that we can navigate the season that we find ourselves in. In fact, the passage that I want to look at today is a passage that most uh, people who grew up in the church um, have really probably never even read before. It's a, in a book that most people, whether you grew up um, in a Jewish environment or you grew up going in Catholic or a Protestant environment, it's probably a passage of Scripture that you've never actually spent time or ever heard a lesson on. And it's because it's a, it's a book that seems a little strange for many of us in the modern world. Um, it's the book of Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes is part of a broader group of writing known as the wisdom literature of the Jewish scriptures or what we call um, the Old Testament. And that grouping of the wisdom literature, perhaps the most famous is um, the book of Proverbs or um, maybe uh, something like Job. But the Ecclesiastes is one of those strange books that most of us never even get around to reading. It reads a little weird. Um, Solomon was its author, and Solomon is arguably one of the famous, one of the most wisest men who've ever lived. He was one of Israel's more famous kings, and Solomon wrote a kind of a two-volume wisdom set. One was the book of Proverbs, which is probably his most famous book. It's filled with pithy little sayings. It would be akin to something like Twitter today. And then you've got Ecclesiastes, which would be the other section of that wisdom kind of kit that he sold out. The Ecclesiastical, like that, that book reads a lot like a blog post or some kind of like long form medium article. I mean, it's, it's a little different. It doesn't have quite the same Twitter vibe that the book of Proverbs has. And it has a little bit of a more emotionally detached kind of way of looking at the world where Proverbs was written as a parenting guide. 
for Solomon, what he was teaching his children to prepare them to take over and kind of the royal duties. Um, Ecclesiastes was more his reflection over life, both in the good and the bad. But Ecclesiastes is actually one of my um, favorite books. I say that probably about every book of the Bible. I recognize that because almost every book of the Bible is my favorite for different reasons. Um, but the book of Ecclesiastes, I just love the wisdom literature section as a whole. And, and what I want to do today is take you to um, chapter 11 of the book of Ecclesiastes. If you have the Encounter Church app uh, already downloaded, you can pull up, click on message notes and it'll load up for you. If not, I'll have it on the screen and I'll be reading it for you. There's six verses, one through six, that I want to tackle. And it starts like this. Ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water... They pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well, now, this is one of the reasons why most people have never read the book of Ecclesiastes, because that sounded like some modern version of, or ancient version of Yoda, right? In the morning seat you shall show, right? Um, and like, it, it kind of has that Yoda vibe of these like pithy little wisdom sayings where you know there's something deep being said, but you don't exactly know what the point is. And when I read it, I can't help but laugh and be like, it really does sound like Yoda. And the summation of those uh, five verses that I just read leading up to the sixth verse is that uncertain life is, right? I mean, that is essentially the essence of what Solomon just said in a very Yoda-like way. He is writing with a, an ancient structure that would feel very foreign to you and I. But remember that most people in the ancient world were not literate. They did not read. So they heard um, the word. They heard the teaching. They heard the scriptures being spoken. So oftentimes, especially in the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures portion of the Bible, there is a, a profound emphasis on the structure and the way it sounds and the way it's repeated. And what you have here is one of those ancient structures where the, the first verse in this and the last verse are saying essentially the same thing. And it's understanding that there is this one central point that life is uncertain, that Solomon is seeking to kind of transmit you see we live in 2020 where everything feels uncertain but most of the modern life is predicated on making things feel a lot more certain than they actually are right we can summon our devices to order us food or to check the weather um, we take for granted how we can look at traffic and how we can see five days out or the path of a hurricane but in the ancient world none of that existed if there was a hurricane off coast, if there was a disaster looming in the distance headed your way, you simply did not know it. It would show up unexpectedly. In fact, when Solomon writes in verse 1 of chapter 11 that, you know, kind of place your boats and ship your grain, the reality of that day was there wasn't GPS trackers, there, there wasn't satellite imagery to to navigate storms, when a ship left a harbor, it wasn't sure if it was going to make it back. We know from the ancient text that Solomon, when he would ship out um, 
or export from his country, whatever it happened to be in that specific kind of um, shipment, that it would take about three years before he would see the ship come back. So when grain would go out, it would be three years before Solomon would actually know, was it successful? Did we make anything? Because a ship on the waters was an incredibly uncertain thing. Uncertainty, disasters were all a common part of the ancient world. Sickness, weather, you name it. Everything about life was uncertain. And yet, this asterisk that Solomon is seeking to kind of put on the essence of life, that everything we do is uncertain, doesn't always ring true for us. But in 2020, I think we've been reminded of that, haven't we? We've been reminded of how uncertainty is. Because unfortunately, most of our lives cover that up. But if you've ever been to a funeral, if you've ever sat in a doctor's office and they said, I have some bad news, you're reminded really quickly in those moments how truly unpredictable and uncertain life is. And what Solomon is seeking to do is arm his readers, his listeners, with a new paradigm. Because uncertainty oftentimes breeds passivity. Um, Back pre-COVID times, I um, would volunteer in the library for my daughter's class. And I would come in uh, pretty regularly and I would check the books in. I would go and file the books and you know, kind of go through my little routine as a library helper. And one of the things that began to kind of bubble up that I noticed weekly that I was there was uh, there was a group of boys in the class and the, the librarian, while she was reading a book or trying to give instruction, one of the kids would do something, uh, say something, or whatever. It's just kind of crazy. And the teacher, the librarian, would always go, well, that was unexpected. And the first week, I was like, oh, okay. You know, she's like, that was unexpected. You know, let's do something different next time. And then the next week, I'm in there, and she's like, well, that was unexpected to the same kid and to the same group of kids. And then the third and fourth and fifth week, and finally in my head, I'm like, woman, this is not unexpected. I expect this to happen, and I've only been here five times. You should not be unexpected. You should not be surprised. This kid's got a pattern of doing this. So I'm in my head checking in books, screaming like, that's not unexpected. That's like predictable. I'm going to go to the library on Monday. That kid's going to do something on that Monday afternoon. I can almost set my calendar by it. And and it was just became this laughable thing in my head that... It was unexpected. And I actually think what Solomon is trying to communicate is that the unexpected is expected in life. We should expect the unexpected. We should not fall into the trap that that librarian fell into of always being caught off guard by this unexpected but expected response from this kid. See, potential problems, the ones that loom, the, the things that could and should or would happen to you and me, They don't need to lead us to a place of paralysis. They don't need to lead us to a place of passivity. But just because it's unexpected actually means we can expect the unexpected. Maybe you can't predict if it happens, but you can prepare for when it happens. Because when you live in an unexpected world, unexpected things are the exception. The so the first point that I think Solomon is trying to communicate, right, is that we should value proactivity over passivity. Proactivity, not passivity, should be our posture. Because most of us are not surprised. Like, 
most of the things that could surprise you and me today are not that surprising to humanity. You pick the big ones. A relational issue, a financial issue, a sickness issue. Right? A lot of the unpredictable is very predictable. And it's actually something that most of those things can even be prepared for. And what most of us don't realize is we already have a superpower in the midst of this uncertain world. It's called worry. It's called anxiety. You and I are really good at worrying. Some of you are expert worriers. You could teach a master class in anxiety. And that that is actually one of your potential strengths in an unexpected world. If you use it correctly. If you use it not to lead to passivity, to panic, but you use it to lead to proactiveness. Now, one of the things I like to say to myself is, Chris, work your worry. Because if not, your worry is going to work you. Your worry is going to work you when you're trying to fall asleep at night and your mind can't rest because all you're worried about is this or that or this thing or what if this happens. And you either work your worry or your worry will work you. And that Solomon is trying to help us recognize that we can actually, in an unexpected world, our posture can actually help us. That if we adjust to the posture that he's laid out in verse 6, where he says, sow your seed in the morning. Go be faithful. Go be active in what you are doing. But recognize that in an, in, in an unexpected world, the seed that you plant may not come up. Or the crop that you fought and har- that to kind of prepare to harvest may end up having a storm that completely wipes it out. So in the evening, make sure you're, you're busy too. Make sure you're continuing to prepare for what could be the unpreparable that could hit your crops in the morning. And that Solomon's ultimately, I think, a word picture is he's saying, look, life is going to constantly try to lead you down dead-end roads. But if you adjust to the posture that I'm trying to prepare you for, you can actually turn a dead end into a detour. You can take what was meant to stop you and just turn it into something that slows you down a little bit. So let me get really practical with you. Let me give you a tool, just one tool, that comes out of this posture, this paradigm of beginning to expect that life has the unexpected, to beginning to prepare with proactiveness, not passivity, how to navigate all of the unanticipated that we can all anticipate. And one of the tools that I'm I'm a big fan of in my own personal life, in our organizational planning, is something called a pre-mortem. And a pre-mortem is a fancy and morbid sounding word that essentially just says it's the equivalent of working your worry. It's like, okay, what am I worried about? All right, well, let me work that out. Let me think through if, if I'm concerned about this. Um, so for, let's take it as an example. Um, it's September. I'm really concerned that if there's a second wave, if cases keep climbing, that we could potentially have a shelter-in-place order or we could move back a phase or two. And if we move back in a phase or two, I'm really concerned about my job. I'm really concerned about our financial situation. And maybe you're a small business owner. Maybe there's a lot of question marks in your head. Or maybe you're concerned if schools have to shut down and go all virtual. 
because of whatever reason that you're not going to be able to do your job and you're going to you're going to be in a place where you're going to have to find some new avenue so a pre-mortem a working your worry for this would be saying okay in three months from now if i find out that my job is going to be terminated because second wave or whatever fill in the blank it doesn't i don't need to know what causes it i just need to know what i'm going to do if it happens so if it happens then this is what i'm going to do so okay three months from now i'm going to lose my job well what what am i going to do well the first thing i'm going to do is probably cry or be a little angry okay and then what am i going to do well after um, i have a little bit of that sense of panic then i'm going to probably uh start applying for new jobs okay so if you apply for new jobs what do you need to do well i guess i need to have my resume so i'm going to send out my resume okay well is your resume up to date well no i'm going to have to up to date my resume okay so i've got to update my resume okay then um then i'm going to send it out who are you going to send it out to well um do you know what job professions is there a new profession that you've always wanted to explore like if you could pick your job is there like well yeah i would love to actually kind of move into this sector of our business or this um kind of avenue it's a little bit more protected from potential COVID-19 implications um, I think it's really interesting um, but I don't have the the certificate for that I don't have the training for that I don't have the knowledge for that okay great so you're working your worry you're like pumping that thing so what happens is as you kind of start to you're, you're you, and you literally this is how you do it. you just set a timer on your watch on your phone or like I mean put a like I don't know some really hard noodles on the stove and boil them okay you just need something some set time frame and a pencil or or like a notes app and you just start to write you don't have the emotional baggage right now on it so you can kind of get the fresher mind to kind of think through all the different things you need to be thinking through to work that worry and so what starts to come out and bubble up is you're like okay all right so okay whoa, whoa, whoa hold up now all right so i need if i updated my resume right now if i went ahead and updated my resume then my resume would be okay if it happened all right so i'm already like now i'm a step ahead because if they told me today i've already got a resume prepared i could send out that afternoon okay what about that well you know actually one of the places i'm interested in in my um, potential career path is a sector already at my business so is there some individuals I could start to build a relationship with or network to go ahead and have conversation now while my job is not on the line to find out what kind of path would I need to get into that kind of role maybe it's a hey what what would you encourage someone who's interested in um, getting a job in that area of our business what what kind of training would you encourage them to have um, you know is there an internship you know and right now you're just kind of asking general questions people love to help people and so ask sending an email to the manager of that area and saying hey i would love to ask you a few questions um, via a zoom call or through a walk around our building um, just about learning more about that area and how someone could best position themselves to get a job in that area so now okay now I'm actually having conversation and building potential inroads, and I find out there's a certificate that I would need to get. There's some, some specific language and software that I would need to be aware of. Well, now i got three months, so what if I, in the evening, I start taking online classes? Like right now, the thing that we all have for us is almost every major school or um, kind of tech school, almost all of these major entities have things online. So you could take an actual online course in the evening. To continue to develop and you might actually be able to get your business to actually pay for it because why well right now the job's not on the line right now there's not a terrifying looming potential layoff 
because that might only be two months or three months from now. And so this is not the perfect example, but I hope that this gives you enough clarity to see how if you start to work it and allowing your worry to actually serve you instead of keep you up at night and make you lose sleep. Because the reality is you may say, well, that's a lot of work to sit there and think through it. No, what's a lot of work is to lay in bed for a solid hour every single night and not be able to fall asleep. And if you do that math with 90 days and you only are, you're losing 30 minutes of sleep every single night, you can, that's 45 hours. 45 hours would probably be enough time to, to take a class, to get a certificate, to have multiple conversations with someone who would actually end up being the person who would hire or fire in that department that you're interested in. It's just a really practical way. What Solomon is saying is like, look, plant the seed in the morning. Keep doing what you're doing. But also remember that in an unpredictable world, we need to be prepared. And so what is it that worries you? What is it that keeps you up at night? What is it that you're so terrified the phone call or the text message or the conversation is going to be? And is it possible that you could perhaps work that worry to mind what is flying through your mind that keeps you up at night? To recognize that the worst thing that could happen is all the worrying and all the work that you put in to work that worry Three months from now, you don't get your job laid off, but now you're five steps ahead of preparing yourself for that potential job transition that you always wanted to do in the first place. Or maybe it's taking a step towards the physical health that you know that you might need to take if that doctor said, hey, some test levels came back higher than we expected. Or maybe it's in your financial area. That What if 90 days from now, you knew you were going to be unemployed? Would you cut back on some of your financial spending right now to save up and to build your savings? That Working that worry in whatever that specific area. What if instead of fearing that your spouse is going to deliver papers or sit you down and say, I don't love you anymore. What if instead of fearing that three months, six months, a year from now, you say, you know what, I'm going to strengthen this marriage. I'm going to work hard at repairing because it is a whole lot easier to strengthen something that is weak than to salvage something that is sunk and broken. So work the worry, Solomon says. Sow your seed, but don't be idle in the evening. There's another tool that I'd love to help you, um, but just I want to be cognizant of time. And so um, as I have in the last few weeks given you my little jingle, call or text, actually text, 617-415-4441, right? 617-415-4441. This week, I'll send out a PDF and a little video that'll give you a separate tool to help you kind of work your worry. And the tool that I'll send out is something that actually works with kids, too. So if you have children, um, elementary age, uh, middle school, high school, this is actually a framework that you can teach them, too. So imagine your kids learning how to work their worry at an early age. I mean, imagine the amount of energy that'll save them over the course of life. So text this number, 617-415-4441. When you text it, you'll get an auto response from me saying, hey, I really need you to fill out this form. Click here. Make sure you do that because if you don't click that form, submit it, then um, I actually cannot send you a text message legally, right? So um, make sure you do that. 
if you want that tool, um, every single week I send out something, whether it's a video or links to books or whatever, to help you in your spiritual journey. Whether it's to help you learn more like I did this past week about um, why we can be confident in the book of Genesis, or this week where it's a practical tool to help you work your worry. But here's the reality that I recognize. For some of us, the worry that we have right now is not very workable. Maybe it, it's overwhelming, it's, it's, it's keeping us up, it's kind of shaping our life, that there's some anxieties that plague us because there's things that we've done. There's things that have been done to us. Right? Or maybe the anxiety is rooted biologically and, and it's chemically driven and you kind of constantly feel like you're always under the gun. I struggle with an anxiety disorder. I have low-grade anxiety every single day of my life. This is why all this stuff is so very practical and helpful because I do this. Because I could probably out-worry most of you. If you ever want to get in a worry battle, text 617. 415, right? <laughs> like, if you ever want to get in a worry battle, I'll worry you out, right? Like, because I'm good at it. When people walk up to me and they say, hey, I'd like to talk to you, my first thought is it's bad. My first thought when someone's like, I'd like to talk to you, is like, oh, John, what did I do? Did I do something? Did I say something? Like, that's my natural operating system. And what I want to give you has been not just very practical for me, but I want to give you one other verse that has been very helpful for me. Because while my natural operating system is worry and anxiety, because I'm a Christian, I have a supernatural operating system too. And that supernatural operating system is even stronger than my natural operating one. And First Peter, named after Peter, one of the followers of Jesus, written to a group of people who were dealing with suffering and struggle and pressure and persecution, he writes the words to them, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now when he says cast all your anxiety on him, the context is prayer. He's saying, and I love it, he's like, cast, cast your anxieties, cast your fears, cast your worries on him. Why? Because he's great, because he's strong, because he's God and he's got a lightning bolt, because he spoke the universe in creation. No, no, no. Peter says, because he cares for you. The reason I'm commanding you to throw all the anxiety on him is because he cares. Like, because he cares, he wants to carry your concern. I've got an eight-year-old, and one of the things that we laugh at is that we can be coming into our house, and our arms are completely filled. And my daughter will give you something to hold. She's, you know, you're like, and, and she's got a stuffed animal, and she's like, Daddy, I don't want to carry my stuff. Will you hold it? I'm like, like, put it on top, right? And, and like, my daughter's just like, oh, Dad, he wants to, he wants to carry my things. And while maybe some of those moments are just bad parenting and I need to be like, actually, we'll take one of my bags and carry it up. Reality is that our Heavenly Father actually desires to help us. He cares about us. And the fear, the, the weight, the concern that you carry, He wants to carry for you because He cares for you. And that this verse has been incredibly powerful when I'm laying in bed at night and I'm so overwhelmed, and I'm so burdened, 
And I've literally said out loud before, God, I need this to be on you tonight so that I can sleep. Could you just hold it tonight and hold me tonight? And what I've found every single morning is that He's still there holding me. He's still there sustaining me. And that He cares for me. I'm not alone. Life and some of the most devastating things that we have to walk through are incredibly lonely, isolating things. When you lose someone you love, grief is profoundly, profoundly very inside and insular. And it's hard for people to people say, oh, I know what it's like. And it's like, I, I, look, I know you know what it's like, but you don't know what it's like. For God, He knows. That He knew personally, intimately, when He was crucified on a cross. You see, the reason I know He cares isn't He just says it. He's, he lived it. He experienced it. He experienced my anxiety and my worries. He experienced the choices and the consequences that I chose on the cross. That sin and death, the full weight of both of those things. My selfishness, my selfishness towards God and others, like all that nastiness called sin. He experienced all of it. And it's my confidence and what I see on that hill outside of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago that gives me the strength to be able to cast my anxiety on Him. Because He took the ultimate dead end when He was crucified on a cross. He took that dead end and what was a disappointment on Friday, what was a dead end on Friday became a detour on Sunday morning when the grave was rolled back, when it was shaken off of His body and He walked out of the tomb. He brought with Himself freedom and victory and peace. And that's the God I speak to. The God of the resurrection. The God who can take the dead end of the crucifixion and turn it into the detour of my salvation and my joy and my peace on Sunday morning. And that God is still in the business of taking dead ends and turning them into detours. And so while all of these things may be really helpful, while all the practicality of the pre-mortem is useful in Solomon's words, there's something incredibly grounded and grounding about being reminded that there's a God who invites you and me to cast, to throw over, to say, Daddy, can you hold this on Him? And as we wrap up today, I want to leave you with three questions for your reflection. Whether you're um, just going to write these questions down or take a screenshot right now for your own personal reflection this week or maybe you want to call someone that you know or maybe you're a part of a group at Encounter Church. Um, these are some helpful questions meant to take this truth further into your life to help you gain traction because it's really easy on a Sunday morning or midweek when you're listening to this to feel really moved and to feel very motivated. It's really easy to say, yeah, I want to do that differently. But then to, to not gain traction in it. And these questions are meant to help you gain traction. So the question simply of this is, where are you choosing passivity over proactivity in your life? Where are you passive where you could be proactive right now? 
What do you worry about the most? What is it that's keeping you awake? What is it you're most afraid of? And how could you work that worry? It's possible that there is some way you could work that worry where you find yourself today. And then if you want to read a little bit more, read Proverbs 15.22. And if you read Proverbs 15.22, this question will make sense to you. Who looks at your how? That these three questions, I hope, will allow you to process, will allow you to push forward, to take the truth that we've discussed today and gain some traction. Because the reality is, is that we serve a God who's still in the business of taking dead ends and turning them into detours. And that whether that first step today is to, to move towards Him in a relationship, maybe that first step today is to come home to Him because of the things that you've kept that have kept you away from Him. Or maybe whether your first step today is to actually start to pray about some of the pressures in your life. Or whether your next step is simply to sit down today, whether with a timer or dinner in the oven, and to work your worry, to do a premortem, and to develop a plan. So if it happens, then you know what you're going to do.